Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Roker Report. This week, in the absence of Sunderland action, we're focusing on the relegation running. So, there's a lot of uh, a lot of points to be had, certainly to go around. It's very, very tight at the bottom. I mean, joining me today, we've got uh, the usual suspects. We've got Gav. How you doing, buddy? Very well, very well. No Sunderland game to ruin the weekend. So, yeah, uh, nothing depressing this weekend. <laughs> Pretty much, I. And <laughs> um, we've got James as well. How you doing, James? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. All right, not too bad. Tom, what about you, buddy? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. What about you, Walshie? You still hanging? Yeah, uh, I'm good. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, well, yeah, that's it. This is uh, that time of the year, really, again for us. Uh, it's the sort of time that we start glancing left and right at the teams in and around the bottom of the table and sort of with, with like an air of desperation, really hoping that they fail so that we can somehow use them to leapfrog our way unaccountably up the table. Um, it's fair to say that we still got the we still got the proverbial mountain to climb as a team, um, as a club, but without doubt, it's it's very close. As I say, there's a there's a lot to be had. I mean, you've got to consider that there's ten games left thereabouts for most teams. Uh, you're looking at like so a potential of thirty points. I mean, when you consider that the gap between twentieth where we are and twelfth is twelve points. So there's a, there's a lot to play for, certainly a lot to play for. Not very much time to play it in. But uh, yeah, so we'll start off with uh, what we've got. We're going to run through all of the teams, basically, that we think are going to be uh, involved in the relegation scrap. They might go down, you'll get some predictions. And we'll start ourselves off with Middlesbrough. So, Walshy, you've been doing some research on Middlesbrough. What do you make of their chances? They're, they're in a world of trouble. Um, they, they, I would argue that they're in a worse position than we are at the moment. Um, they've not won in 10 games. They can't score goals. I mean, defensively, they're not too bad. I mean, they don't, they don't really lose that many games. I mean, compared to the, the, the rest of the bottom seven, they've lost the least, but they keep uh, getting bogged down a lot of nil-nil draws. And they just, they're not scoring. They've got, um, the Grado's the top goal scorer with six, but he's, he's in and out of the team. I mean, he didn't, he didn't play in the cup against uh, Man City on Saturday. I don't know whether that's just a uh, case because it was a cup match and you're resting them for the bigger games to come. Um, but the one under na- underneath that, Stuani with four, and Rudi Gestead, who they bought. I don't really know why they bought him because he didn't really seem to be a player that fit in with um, their style of football. But he hasn't scored well in the league. And he hobbled off on Saturday with um, 
I think was a hamstring, so he's going to be out for a few weeks. They've got they've got some pretty big games coming up, which probably will define their season. They've got Swansea, Hull, and Burnley. Uh, Swansea and Hull away, and Burnley at home, and then of course they play us at some point. So if if they come out of that with a a decent points total, then they could be all right. But I just don't see where they're going to score goals. Um, they just I don't know, there's not that much creativity in that team and they just can't finish the chances. And they're starting to, like, Karanka is very, like, stuck in his ways. Um, he doesn't, it's quite defensive football and the fans are starting to turn on him as, as well. well I mean, is sure. it, sorry, cut in there, but is it fair to say yeah. that their, their opinion of Karanka's sort of, uh, it's changed since they came up, since he brought them up? Yeah, well, Karanka's weird because I, you come with the uh, conception if you come from Real Madrid, you're going to be like free flowing football and all that. But it's yeah. not. It's very defensive minded, and they just you just don't take uh, they just don't take the chances, or they haven't got the the quality of finishes. Figueiredo is a very good player, but like we saw when he played for City, he scores goals in patches as opposed to you know um, like throughout the season. And that's why us having Defoe, at least we know he's he's probably going to take his chances when they come to him but they're, they're really struggling and if they come out if they don't come out of that um, that little trio of games Swansea Hull and Burnley then they're going to have real trouble because then it's uh, they've got to still they've got to play Chelsea and Liverpool both away in the last uh, the last three games of the season so yeah yeah if I was a Middlesbrough fan I'd be pretty worried well yeah I mean that's fair to say I mean we've all <laughs> We've played them, obviously. That didn't go. That didn't go uh, entirely to plan. Obviously, that wasn't wasn't a good day, and so soon in the season as well. Uh, what do you make of you, you? You say you wouldn't be happy, sort of thing. What do you make of the transfers? Do you think? Do you think that's that's made any sort of difference? Do you think they made the right sort of moves in the transfer market? Well, when they were when they were buying players in the summer, the players that we were getting, I like, I thought personally, I thought these were good players like uh, Darun and uh, Triore from uh, I think he came from Aston Villa, and then they had this Victor Fisher, um, which I thought, well, he's every football manager, you know, football manager, he's a he's a wonder kid on that, but he's not really settled, and he also he doesn't play much, and then they bought in the. Um, they brought in Bamford and Gishted. Bamford, I don't know why they bought him, because, he, again, he's not playing. And Gishted, not the real type of player for them. I mean, when we played him early in the season, I thought that was one of our, ironically, it was one of our better games. And, like, even then you thought, this Middlesbrough team, they're not that great. And they scored, well, one of the goals was an absolute pot, like a pot shot screamer. Yeah, the Stuarni goal was an absolute world. Yeah. It, was, it was something that you, you, he's never scored in another one of them in his career. No, I didn't see that one yeah. coming at all. And it always happens against us when that happens. <laughs> but then you, you're worried for him then because they had loads, they had quite a few chances, weren't putting them away, and then we were getting at him quite at will really. But obviously because it us were two 0 down at half time and the game's kind of dead. But that, that I don't that Sunderland that tea, um the derby. Derby in inverted commas, like it's, if that's towards, towards the end of April, that's going to be a horrible, and b it's it's probably going to be a draw, which will help no one and probably send us both down. Um, yeah, if I was a Middlesbrough fan, I'd be really worried because 
And also, I don't think the manager's going to change. I think they've left it a bit too late. I couldn't see them binning him off now because he's got a huge backroom staff and all these different um, coaches and all that. So they have to get rid of the whole lot and then bring in, I don't know, Paju for like to save <laughs> them for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd, be, that'd be good. Or you know, I don't know. So yeah, Middlesbrough knackered. The um, if you look at like the injuries and obviously we've got so many people to come back and you look we've actually got quite a few key players to come back. You look at who like, Borough have got out injured at the moment and you know there's no one really there who's going to come back in and make a massive difference. Um, I just don't think they'll score enough goals. I, I think I think I think they'll go down myself. Like I, I just don't think there's enough creativity or goals in that squad at all. So, what would your prediction be for them? Relegation. Uh, yeah, relegation. So you think it's <laughs> you think it's up and straight back down again, basically. No particular number, though. Definitely going in the bottom three. I think it. we'll finish above them. Oh, I think they'll finish bottom. That's we'll an interesting not, one. And we'll, and we'll yeah. finish not bottom. Not bottom. <laughs> Marginally <laughs> better. <laughs> Isn't the the thing with Borough though? I always feel like looking at that squad, and you talked about Jested. I feel like they bought him because, well, maybe they did think he would bring some firepower and some goals that they need. But in a way, him and Bamford are going to be a canny good strike force next year. And I don't think they spent absolutely ridiculous sums of money, in all honesty. I think Gibson's just been smart, as per usual. And they've come up, and the money that they're going to get this season's going to give them a, a great platform to build from in the future. And I, I'm not sure that they 100% thought that they were going to stay up and do fantastic and I feel like they'll use the money well go down regroup and possibly go from strength to strength I mean Burnley did it a few years ago invested the Premier League money wisely I really think Borough look at it the same way and think we're not going to spend above our means I do think I agree they'll go down but I think they'll be in a pretty good position when they go down I don't think there's going to be a fire sale like we might uh, witness in the summer I really don't so Mm. In a way, I, I do think they're going to go down, but I, I think like they're pretty well prepared for it, in all honesty. Mm. You know, I think I, the, the amount of money they spent to actually get up in the first place, they, bought, that's they spent a shitload last year. I'm sorry. They spent a shitload last year. Like, Jordan Rhodes, and down, they spent a lot on just getting down in there. And if, if that was the plan that they weren't going to compete in the Premier League, then that's just a complete waste of money on all those championship players to get them there in the first place. I don't think I don't think they've, they've been planning to get relegated. I just they're just not very good. You know, I think though players like Gested and and obviously the other guy that signed up front, um, Bamford, they, were, they replaced David Nugent and they replaced Jordan Rhodes, who, whilst they might not be Premier League strikers anymore, uh, are goal scorers, and that that's maybe kind of something I can't get my head round. You know, Gested not a goal scoring striker, Bamford other than his little loan spell up or in the championship a few years ago, never scored goals. And it just that that always struck me as weird that those were the two strikers they thought could replace those two players in the squad. Um and obviously, you know, I'm talking about these aren't Premier League strikers anymore, but at the same time they can still they can still add something to that squad, you know, and you you kinda of seen it with other teams like Burnley. I mean how many of Burnley's players would you say were, were Premier League players, but they're still able to add something and in that sense, I think David Nugent, even for for the rest of the season, would have been far more valuable to, to a team than, than spending eight million on Gusted. I mean, Villa must have been rubbing their hands together when that offer came in because he 
He's never ever a Premier League striker as long as I've got a hole in my arse. He's absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Professional stuff. Professional. <laughs> Nothing but. <laughs> right. So we're all in sort of agreement there that Middlesbrough are going down, but they're ultimately well prepared for it, and they're not going to basically crash and burn or anything like that. Some might even say that they sort of expected it beforehand. I suppose that's a that's really indicative of great planning, isn't it? That's, that's good club ownership, I suppose, when you don't throw all your eggs in one basket, although they did spend a lot of money. All right, well, moving on then, moving on and slightly up the table, uh, we're talking about Hull. Jim, what do you make of Hull's chances? Obviously, they're much more improved now under Marco Silva. He's very, very well liked. Um, they brought in some decent players in January. They, they brought in 10 players since Marco Silva came in. Um, people like Neasse looks looks decent. I mean, he was awful at Everton, but, you know, he seems to have got a few goals and looking at what Hull fans think, I mean, he seems to be getting their best out of Hernandez. Um, actually, thinking about those two up front, you think the fact that there's two up there causing trouble, you know, they're giving each other a bit more space and it's something that we certainly don't have. Um, they have massive injury problems. They've, they've overtaken us finally at top of the uh, injury league. Um, and they've got people like, you know, Michael Dawson out for a couple of months. Um, they've got Umbakani, who's very poor, but, you know, he's a big lump and he's up there, isn't he? Uh, Will Keane, uh, he's out. Um, there's a, there's a few others who, you know, could, if they could get, get them back for the, for the running, as it were, uh, they might be in a bit better shape. I mean, their form at home is, is very decent. I mean, they, they haven't lost at home and, uh, since December. Um, They've been really, really solid, um, and it's in stark contrast away, in which they've only won one all year, uh, and that was uh, their opening away day, uh, opening away fixture away at Swansea. And I just think looking at Hull's games that are coming up, they've got West Ham, they've got Borough, they've got Watford, they've got Sunderland, and they've got Spurs all at home. Considering they haven't lost since December, you know if they can keep a similar run of form going. I mean, they're probably going to need 12 points or something from their home games because it, it, it doesn't look like they're getting anything away from home if they want to stay up. Um, you know, they, when you look at the, the away form in particular, uh, they're shipping a lot of goals. Um, you know, three, on average, three, three and a half a game at times. You know, it's, you know, they, they don't score that many goals. They, they seem to be one of these teams that certainly under Marco Silva, they've They've grown into games more. They score goals a lot more in the second half of games. Um, but looking at like their key players, I was I was, just had a quick look on one of the, the Premier League and look at like who who's who, their top goal scorer assists and all that. And Robert Snodgrass is still their top goal scorer, top assists, top shots, top key passes. I mean, he's been gone since the start of January. So you know that you'd have to hope that no one in their team will step up to his kind of level. Um, you know, Tom Huddleston's obviously a really, really key player for them. Um, I, I think they'll, I think they might go. I think they've probably got a better, they've got a much better chance now with Marco Silva at the helm than they did, um, previously. Uh, I think he seems a really decent manager. He seems to have got them playing. Um, they seem, especially at home, they seem to be like quite organized. They're, they press high. Um, a couple of the lads they brought in. Like Markovic looks looks a decent player. He looks he looked awful for Liverpool, but you know he's got a bit of pace. He's got something about him. They brought in Alfred and Die. Um, we know what he's like. I mean, he's not the most talented footballers, but you know he's a big lad in the middle, and he's someone we we cry out for. 
Um, and then they've got this Niasse who seems to, he was completely in the cold at Everton and seems to have, um, you know, really come into his own. Perversely with, uh, with Hull, um, I, I, in a weird way, I'm quite happy that they're doing quite well after the furore of Marco Silva getting it and Paul Merson and, uh, Phil Thompson going on that dreadful rant, like, of how English managers are getting overlooked. Mm. And they're like, what does Marco Silva know about the Premier League and I could win the Greek League? And it's, <laughs> in a way, it's quite, quite good that, like, cause Hull were done before he came in. They had Mike Phelan who hadn't got a, he didn't have a clue how to get this team playing. And then Silva's come in, he's made these, he's managed to get these players in. Just a ragtag collection of random players from all over the, all over the world. But he's getting them playing, he's getting them solid, and they're doing the things that you need to do when you're down there. It's just win your home games. Yeah. And get what you can away from home. Exactly. Exactly right. And I was actually very surprised that they, they gave Mike Phelan the job full time anyway. I mean, he, Mm. yeah, he genuinely had about two or three good results. And then they just kind of jumped on it and thought, well, he's best thing since sliced bread. Let's give him the job. And they completely dropped off a cliff after that. Mm. You know, they've, they've been absolutely dire, you know, conceding six at Bournemouth, five at Liverpool. I mean, we put three past them. You mm-hmm. know, that, that says a lot, doesn't it? That's <laughs> true enough, isn't it? Yeah. Each of you scored twice. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot, doesn't it? It feels, that feels like, a, like years ago, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. It does, Christ. I mean, so what would you say? Are you saying down or what's, what's your I, prediction? To be honest, I mean, I've done, I mean, I know we'll do some predictions at the end. Um, I, th- I think they probably will go down, but I think it, depending on their next few home games. I mean, I, when going through some of the predictions, I obviously, I, I had us to get a point away. You know, but if they can, if they can beat us and they can beat some of the other teams around us, they could stay up. Um, they certainly look a much better outfit than they did earlier on in the season. Um, I think of, of all the teams that are down there, um, I kind of, kind of worry about them, uh, in terms of overtaking us the most, you know. Mm. So, you've got to feel nervous. If you're mm. a Hull fan, you must be, oh, you must be terrified. You've got a, an owner who just seems like a complete moron in all honesty. Mm. Uh, you, you have a, a stadium that you share with a rugby league team who play the night before your Premier League game, which in turn really hinders any chance. Uh, I get they, they won the game, but that's, it's going to come and haunt them in the end if the pitch is constantly cut up and a poor uh, surface to play on. Well, they've not lost at home since December. I mean, it must work. But I mean, like, rugby seasons are not on. It's, it's always big, just come back. Yeah. It's a big bit of news. It's it's rugby league. They share they share the stadium with one of the whole teams, and I honestly see that hurting them in the long run, and not necessarily just because of the state of the pitch. But you know, if you're a Premier League team and your owner's trying to change your name and you're sharing you're sharing a pitch with a rugby team. Something's going wrong at your club. Like something, yeah, something I'm has. To I'm really not a pop. They're just tin pot. I, I really do. I, I, I'm not a fan of them. Um, I I look, at, look at like their all-time Premier League leading goal scorer is Jalovic. I mean, he only played for them for about a year. It just, they just, yeah. I, 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 I really hope they go down predominantly because I just I can't stand Al Mahamadi. He's the biggest <laughs> diver I think we've all ever seen. <laughs> the thing, you've got to be worried for. Them. I mean, we. We're in a precarious position financially and, you know, wondering what's going to happen to our club. What is going to happen to Hull when they go down though? Nobody wants to see. As much as I agree, I do think they're a little bit, 
I hate the word tin pot, but I agree. Um, you got like you worry for them as like fellow football fans. They could just literally go off the face of the earth, just slide away. See, yeah, I don't see anything good coming from this season in them at all. I do think we'll go down, and I just I really worry for them because it's nice to have some northern teams in the Premier League, and I just I really worry about Hull. Well, I mean they're one point off uh, Palace in seventeenth, but they do have the worst goal difference in the league. Um, I mean, they're on minus 28. We've got minus 26. Swansea um, are on 25, minus 25. Um, I, I think I'm sure we'll come to it, but um, I think a lot of a lot of this all hinders on um, can Big Sam keep Palace's mini run or mini revival going? Um, yeah, I mean, just moving into that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Certainly, I'll cover Palace. Um, I think they've been through. Uh, for me, they're a, they're a mixed bag, Palace. I think when you consider the sort of the quality on paper that they've brought in, and they, the, I mean the the players that they actually have anyway, um, they have a real capacity, Palace. They have potential. Do you know what I mean? They've they've never struck me as a team that should be uh, less than mid table. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've never got that feel from them. I don't think they're a tin pot club or anything like that. I think they're they're a big club and they. The, the, certainly the players they've got now, I mean, yeah, um, they've got some serious problems with injuries um, and, and have had, really, throughout most of the season. Um, their owners as well, then some a lot of the fan base aren't particularly happy about them. Uh, there's that whole thing of American owners coming in, you know what I mean, injecting, and they injected a rather large amount of money immediately, and whether or not that's actually had a, a positive or a negative effect in the long run, whether it was spent wisely initially. I mean, right now you've got Benteke injured uh, with no date on when he's going to return. So you're basically ruling out what most people would argue is one of your strongest assets, without a doubt. Um, And when you look at that, actually, the the forwards, the forward options they've had available, I mean, look, Remy, not a a world-beater by any means, but certainly knows his way around. Do you know what I mean? Certainly a, a capable forward, uh, capable footballer at, at least. Um, Connor Wickham, obviously they took from us. I mean, we we pretty much bit their hands off at that, do you know what I mean? Because Wickham, bless him, had a few good games for us. I mean, he, he, he sort of did a job, but he, he played a played an interesting role, really, falling down <laughs> when you're like six foot two and you must weigh about 200 pounds and you've got a, a tiny little bloke jumping on you from behind. It's like, as soon as there's any contact with his shoulder, he goes down. One of some incredible amount of free kicks, I thought. Uh, certainly true, many fouls that I didn't think we deserved. But when he went, oh, what was it, 10 million we sold him for? Was that right? Did we get rid of Wickham for 10 million? It was eight. Oh, is that eight million? Or was it yeah. something like either way? It was good money. Unbelievable. Good money. I mean, we've got about 20 odd million quid from getting from Palace. Well, this is it. Yeah, moving on to that. That's right. You've got Patrick Van Anton as well. I mean, so before I focus too much on the transfers, obviously the, the big news story of Palace and whether or not they could actually stay up was, um, was Sam Allardyce. Now, the trouble with Sam Allardyce, I mean, I can't, I certainly can't sit here and argue that he's not the sort of manager you want in that sort of scenario. A point has been made that, in reality, Allardyce is coming to clubs that are actually wallowing. He's only done it a couple of times in his career. Do you know what I mean? For the majority of his career, you could argue that, yes, this is because of his steady management. He's been dealing with mid-table clubs and things like that, people or teams that wouldn't necessarily be struggling with relegation, whether he was there or not. Do you know what I mean? So this this whole idea of him as a firefighter, it's still, it's untested. Certainly he's a stable head. 
and a, a manager that you want because of his connections, because of his uh, unique brand of charisma. Um, he's someone who can do that job for you. But whether or not he's actually the man to turn to when everything's going south and it looks like you're never going to make it out of there, uh, Allardyce isn't necessarily that manager. And I think uh, what was expected of him, the expectations that came with that, certainly after Allardyce kept us up and had a massive hand in that, um, I think it's sort of uh, like disillusions, really. It's it's led to a disillusionment from the fans because he hasn't had the best, certainly hasn't had the best of terms so far with Palace. I mean, yeah, recently they, they had back-to-back wins, do you know what I mean, uh, against Middlesbrough, funnily enough, and West Brom. Um, but before that, I mean, from December, they took five points from ten games, do you know what I mean? So it wasn't looking good for them then at all. I mean, injuries aside as well, when you look at players like uh, Townsend, they brought in, he's no spring chicken and he's, uh, he's, 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 what am I looking for? He sort of, he runs hot and cold. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, he can be a great player. He can be a great asset on his day. He isn't necessarily the sort of player that I would absolutely go for. Um, fair enough. It might have been shrewd in a business sense. But it's not the sort of team that you're looking at and thinking, oh, well, these are, these are going to turn it around for us. I mean, they took Tompkins from West Ham. For me, when he was at West Ham, uh, not this, or not the season he left, but the season before that, he was a great player and they wouldn't have wanted rid of him. He gradually was phased out by uh, Winston Reid um, and Collins was still a solid defender anyway while he was there. I mean, he obviously operated at right back sometimes as well and or mostly on between right back and centre back. And he got replaced by, what was it Byram? I think they took from Leeds. Um, yeah. So he's, he was certainly a good defender, but since he's come into the side, he hasn't looked at all on board with, uh, whatever Allardyce's defensive strategy is. I don't know if it's because he needs that extra experience beside him or that extra talent beside him in defence, but it, he hasn't turned out to be what they wanted and it certainly hasn't stopped them leaking goals. And then we move on to Patrick Van Anholt, which obviously was the best 14 million, arguably the best 14 million Sunderland have ever earned. Um, and absolutely not what they needed. Do you know what I mean? I, I can totally understand why Allardyce would go for someone to link up that play and someone with attack intent. Obviously someone he knew, someone he's worked with, but also someone who's manager. Do they share the same manager? Was that a thing? I'm not sure if they share the same manager, but they certainly, he knows the manager very well. And that's a big concern with Allardyce when he moves into a new job and you offer him a lot of money. Because while he may know some very good players, he might know some very capable players, or certainly know some people who know those players and can get them in, it, it isn't always cut and dried, you know, it isn't always that simple. Um, and I think certainly with Patrick Van Anholt, it, it was more like a luxury player. I don't feel like that was the sort of player that certainly not the sort of defender that they needed. And as it's, I mean, he's injured currently anyway, so that's that's not good for them. But yeah, for me, from what I've seen of Crystal Palace recently, obviously we thrashed them four nil. Do you know what I mean? That was arguably one of the happiest times that we've had this season. I think we could say we could all probably agree on that. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't think that they've got enough in the box to actually pull themselves out of it. I think that it might be the first time that Allardyce <laughs> sees this newly tested, um, this sort of saviour role, like really go down the pan. Uh, I, I can see that happening. I don't see them making their way out of this. I think if well, Crystal Palace should have been relegated on the spot if when they conceded four to us. Conceded four at home to Sunderland, relegated on the spot. You're out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, look, 
I'm, I'm looking at their fixtures and I would argue they've probably got the hardest running of all the teams down there. Yeah, absolutely. They really got, do like. Yeah, they've got Spurs coming up next, then um, they play Watford at home, which, you know, could go either way. But then they've got games away at Chelsea, then Southampton, uh, Arsenal at home, they play Leicester and obviously we're going to move on to Leicester later, but they, the way they're playing at the minute, you never know. Got Man U and Man City as well, haven't they? Uh, yeah, Liverpool, um, they play Man City, they play... Man U, and then they've got Burnley and Hull at home. Mm. But you know, you, you you look at the, the the quality of the teams that they've got to play coming up, and it just makes you wonder whether you know a heavy loss against Spurs, and then maybe not getting they really, well really they need to beat Watford because after that uh, they're running through it. And obviously we we've seen in in recent weeks that the teams around us are picking up points, and if that continues, and Palace you know can't get the wins they need because they are still right in it. And if they can't get the wins they need in the next four or five weeks, um, they're going to be, you know, down there right in the last couple of days. And when you see who, who they're playing in the final week of the season, you know, the way at Manuel at Old Trafford, um, I, I agree with you, Damon. Actually, I, I think that this could well be the first time Allardyce relegates a team because although the, they were they were able to beat West Brom in the last game, which fair play, you know, West Brom are a decent team. Uh, if you look beyond that and you see who they have left to play, I don't think they've got enough quality all over the pitch, really, to pick up shot wins against big teams. A bit like we haven't. Mm-hmm. They, they've they've got <clears throat> they've got a lot of a lot of luxury players who I, I wouldn't say were prepared to graft and and work hard for each other. And I think ultimately that's probably what will send them down. I, I would probably maybe tip them to the final day to be in amongst it. You know. Oh, the scenes though! If Patrick Van Anhalt gets relegated and we stay up, <laughs> see what I mean? It's, I, I love seeing. It's becoming, yeah, it'd be so sweet. Be so rude. Yeah, so we're moving on anyway. So that's what we're making of Crystal Palace again. It's not looking great for many teams right now in this relegation battle. It really is tight, isn't it? I think just talking about it really sort of it hits home just how close it is right now. Do you know what I mean? The the difference is is staggering, or rather, it's not staggering. It's very small. Uh, yeah. So we're moving on anyway. What have we got next then? I suppose we should go to Swansea, Tom. You've been thinking and thinking about Swansea. What are you seeing and understanding and hearing? <laughs> I've seen and understanding a lot. <laughs> um, I think Swansea, in all honesty, have done a Sunderland this year. The 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 chairmen, the the owners, who the fans are also in a bit of a tussle with. They got rid of uh, Guido Lynn, replaced him with Brad Bobley, um, <laughs> and. He was an absolute train, train wreck in all honesty. It's never going to work. I don't know why they thought it would. I mean, fellow countrymen, maybe they knew him. I don't know, but absolute car crash. They brought in Paul Clement, which, you know, and it's, this is funny because as we're talking now, Steve McLaren's just been sacked by Derby. Hmm. And I never, never, never knew why Derby went and sacked Clement. And, and, and I know, like, if a Derby fan listens, highly unlikely they'll talk about oh well results just kind of trailed off and blah 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 I mean they had like a 42% win ratio they only lost 7 games in the time he was in charge and he's just he's come into Swansea and he's been a breath of fresh air like I say that's normally what we do we get to the point where the owner says right enough's enough Um, I need something that's going to give us the, the shot in the arm that keeps us up they've done it and they've done it fantastically it wasn't I wasn't really sure. I don't think many people were. If he would have been a success, but he, he sort of he comes in early January and they've got five wins 
and five defeats. They're not drawing any games. They're either winning or losing. But it's been such a remarkable uh, turnaround for them. You know, to to beat Crystal Palace was obviously a real spark that started the fire of revival. But then to beat teams like Liverpool and Southampton in consecutive games suggests that Clement is doing something very right um, from the off. And it also suggests that there's enough quality players in that team that they can stay up. Uh, Llorente went off with a, a dead leg, thanks to the whole pitch, allegedly. Uh, but he scored 11 goals this season. Sigurdsson has scored uh, eight in the league. Leroy first scored six. So you've got three players there who you can not rely on as such, but you can look at in times of need and think, okay, there's a creative outlet there that's going to get us a goal. Alfie Mawson has been superb, which makes it kind of difficult as a Sunderland fan who are allegedly really close to signing. It's difficult to see him doing so well there. Um, Sigurdsson, with regards to assists as well, he has 11 assists. So within like 20 goals, in fact, they've only scored um, they've only scored 36 goals. Sigurdsson is directly involved in 20 of them. So to have a player like that, mm. how can you how can you not be? You've got someone like Sigurdsson. You've got Urente who's found some form, and then you look at the transfers who Clement brought in. And to me, this is where Swansea obviously they, they pulled the trigger on um, on Brad Bobley, and they've brought in Paul Clement. But his his transfer policy when he came has been superb. He brought in Luciano Narsing, who has a couple of assists already, for four million. It's highly rated out of the, the Eredivisie. He brought in Martin Olsen for four million. And this just boggles my mind as a Sunderland fan when apparently we're after Swansea's left back, um, Neil Taylor, and they bring in a different left back and can sign Taylor at the bench and he didn't want to come to us, which blows my mind. They brought in Tom Carroll for just under five million, and then they brought Jordan Ayew in for five. They haven't, you know, they haven't sort of emptied the piggy bank, so to speak, to bring in those players. They, they seem to me have spent really wisely. Carroll is a, is honestly a fantastic player. What he does for that team is superb. You know, he keeps the ball moving, he gets it around the pitch. He's dangerous on it. He's looking for people. If you can give someone like him, sorry, if you can combine someone with him um, with Gilfie Sigurdsson in the team and Leroy for you have such an energetic midfield. And, you know, really the only place that they struggle is what happens if Urente gets injured. Say Urente does pick up an injury, I think some eyebrows will be raised as to whether they have enough about them. But right now, I mean, they're three points clear of relegation. And I, I really, really, really don't see them getting dragged into the, the dogfight, in all honesty. I really don't. Um, they have a decent set of uh, games coming up. They've got Bournemouth away, Borough home. Uh, they've got to play West Ham, Watford, Stoke, uh, us, and West Brom. So I think they've got a canny running, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that they'll pick up more than enough points to see them safe. You know, I say that now and I bet they go down bottom. But I, I, I genuinely do think they have enough about them. And sort of the signs have been positive largely from, from Clement's reign that I think they'll stay up, in all honesty. Yeah, they'll get 10 points from 10 games on there. That's pretty much yeah. what they need. Ah, uh, they are. I'd say they're out of it now. Unfortunately, that that they've had such a massive bounce since um, Clement came in, um, mm. and it, a lot of it is, as you said, down to down to having a having a class striker in Lorente. I mean, he went off at the weekend, didn't he? But it's, I think it's just a dead leg or something. I don't think. Yeah. It's, unfortunately, it's not going to be lengthy. Well, they've got <laughs> Ki Sung Young coming back in as well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we we'd love a player like. 
that. I mean, he, he was a before he obviously went off the boil. He was he's such a classy footballer, and when you got Sigurdsson, they'll be absolutely fine. I remember I was I, remember I was I think I was slagging off Lorente as well just before the match. <laughs> he came on fucking scored against us. I was like, uh, I was like, nah, be fine. He's useless, man. He's past his prime. <laughs> there wasn't it a brace or something as well. Christ. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, uh, yeah. So, okay, I, I would actually completely agree with you there, Tom. You've you've given a convincing argument as to why they might stay up. Let's hope some Swansea fans listen to this and take heart. Um, <laughs> moving now on to Leicester, the league champions. Now, this is an interesting one, obviously, because they are just that. But I mean, how quick is that fall from Grace, Gav? Um, amazing, isn't it? But to be honest, I think you're probably talking about a totally different Leicester too. The one we've seen for much of this season, I think much of what they do beyond today, was, as we speak, depends upon how well they play against Sevilla midweek. Because when they play Sevilla on Tuesday, obviously some people will be listening to this after the fact. And bearing in mind how that result goes, it, it changes everything. I think when you look at the fixtures they've got left for the rest of the season, um, they've got a difficult run. They've got a real, real difficult run. They've got games against, uh, well, away to Everton. Uh, they're away to Manchester City um, and they've got quite a lot of games against teams around them so you kind of look in the mid-table West Ham and Stoke coming up are two big games for them because you know if they can get six points from that they're pretty much safe in the same way we're talking about Swansea before Swansea are inches from, from safety really when you when you look at how well they're playing now under the new manager it's kind of the same for Leicester um, Craig Shakespeare no idea really what the bloke's capable of um, but he he has been able to, to to get them two wins in the last two games. So if they can carry that form on, even beat Sevilla and go into the West Ham game with confidence, they have they have West Ham away win that game. Say they get something from the Stoke game at home, which you imagine they would. They then play us. And to be honest, if they go into that game in form at their ground, uh, I, I wouldn't. I would suggest that we would be able to get anything from that either, because Leicester are a curious team on that they've been able to win the league with pretty much the same squad they've got now, give or take. Obviously, they lost Kante, who has been a massive, massive loss. I think if you you keep him in that team this season, you would be talking about a team hanging around the bottom 10 of the... bottom bottom half of the top 10, you know, 7th, 8th, 9th, something like that. They would, they, would, they would be up there. I think he's been that much of a loss that they kind of haven't... They've tried to replace him. They've signed a couple of central midfield players who who are, are, are decent players, but they're not Kante. Kante... Is quality, um, so yeah. I, I, looking ahead, I think I think everything hinges on the Champions League. If they do well in that, they kind of have to weigh it up, don't they? Is that the priority, or is staying in the Premier League the priority? I think for Craig Shakespeare, staying in the Premier League definitely is because he, you know, he's been given a job to at least carry on what he started. Um, they're, they're on twenty-seven, which is. Obviously, what Swansea are on, and we're talking about Swansea being pretty much safe, so it would be unfair not to look at Leicester in the same vein. Um, however, you know, I did speak before about how important the next few games are in terms of winning them. If they lose them, then everything totally changes, obviously, because then the playoffs and God knows what form will be in going into that. But then they have away games at Everton and Palace. They aren't easy to play either, and then Spurs. So, yeah, it's an odd one to call this. I think out of all the teams down there, they're probably the most unpredictable. I think you can kind of call one way or the other what you think on on pretty much every team down the mm. bottom. Leicester or a different kettle of fish, just because of how recently they've changed their manager, really, and 
and what they've got coming up. But for I'd me, agree. for me, I think I think they're probably going to be safe. Um, I, th- I think, I think, yeah, safety. Maybe, maybe a couple of games spare as well. Maybe. Oh. I mean, it, it, it'd be interesting if they get knocked out against Sevilla, and then they maybe if they were to then lose the next couple, um, whether their heads would drop again or whether this new bounce would would then um, disappear because they would been so dire for the majority of the season with such quality players. I do wonder that will players like Mares is he up for the battle, you know? Um we just have to we, really what we need is them to to crash out the Champions League and then um maybe lose a couple off the back of that and then maybe they get dragged back into it because I don't think any of us can say with any certainty that Craig Shakespeare's a great manager or coach because I mean he's been appointed until the summer now, hasn't he? But I mean as Gav said, he's he's such an unknown quantity. I mean, who bloody knows, really? I'd, I'd love less that go down though. The way that ah, the way the players have well, I don't know if "treat" is the right word, but the way the the players didn't perform for Ranieri, and I mean just Jamie Vardy, for example, with the the whole uh, miles ran per game stat that came out the other week, and he'd been seriously just not trying this season for whatever reason, and then you know Ranieri goes and. For what he's done for that club, it's disgusting, in my opinion, the way that the players reacted this season to to whatever it is he wanted to try and do again. It's uh, it's been awful, in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was absolutely it's just confusing. I think more than I mean, yeah, I want to say it was awful. Everyone everyone's got their opinion on it, but there's so little information out there to, about exactly why this was happening. I mean, I said. Um, when they obviously immediately after leaving Shakespeare's first game in charge, uh, and I, I have no doubt it's got nothing to do with him as a manager, and they they came storming out the blocks. That was a fantastic game for them. That performance was like what you expected from league champions. Do you know what I mean? They looked like they'd never been away, sort of thing. But how how angry would you have been then as a Leicester fan to see that? Do you know what I mean? And it sort of it made me think like hope. I really hope Ranieri's not watching this. Do you know what I mean? I, I can picture like a, a single solitary tear roll down his cheek. This like you bastards. It you was, total his bastard. farewell note was just like, it was heartbreaking. Like, every oh. football fan read it and thought, this is just like the death of such a great story. Yeah. Does, yeah. Yeah. Basically just backstabbed him. Because um, <laughs> when, as Tom said, when, when um, Vardy was asked that question, they said they said to him, um, "Why haven't you been trying as hard?" And I think he even said, "Look, no, we've been trying as hard." Then they took the stats in his face, and he just looked like a rabbit in headlights. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. So Leicester, anybody's game, really, anybody's bet. Um, well, it being so tight, as I said at the bottom of the table, we could theoretically and mathematically. We could technically take this all the way to ninth place. We won't do that because that's a bit silly and highly unlikely to happen. However, we still have the likes of Bournemouth, Watford and Burnley. Burnley all importantly, I suppose, for us because they'll be the next match we play. Um, but we will give that a quick rundown. And I mean, anybody got any ideas really about what's out of those three? Do we, do we see any of them getting dragged right down? Uh, I've done Bournemouth. a couple of these. Pr- the, yeah, I've done a couple of these, these points, um, prediction things. And I think. If Bournemouth might just have Bournemouth are the only one I see who possibly could get dragged in, um, but they, I think they've got about five points too many. Um, I can't see them. You know, they're already on thirty, a couple of wins, and they're probably safe um, because of their goal difference. So, you know, I, I, I think they'll be safe, but you know, they've been on a pretty 
pretty rotten run of form. I mean, they, they won their last game, but before that, and I think they hadn't won in 10 or 12 games or something. Well, I mean, I, I watched their last game. I was, I was around my mate's house to watch the West Ham match, and it was um, when you consider that they missed two penalties and they still managed to win that game 3-2, it wasn't for lack of ability. Do you know what I mean? They seemed really on foot. I mean, West Ham certainly, they're, they're not the best team in the world. Uh, they're currently not on a fantastic run of form either in particular, but... Yeah, they they looked up for it, Bournemouth. They certainly looked up for it. Both halves, they looked up for it. Every player looked up for it. And I think when you consider who they have, like the sort of ability they can call upon, do you know what I mean? I, I don't think I, I can't see them going down. Not with that sort of fight. They look to me on Saturday. They look like we do, or we usually do at this time of year, every season. Do you know what I mean? Uh, for the last few seasons, but. Yeah, I, I didn't see uh, a team that looked like it was going to drop its head. Do you know what I mean? When when yeah. a goal was conceded or anything like that, it looked like they were fighting them. I would say it's uncharacteristic of what the the run they've been on. Maybe this will be the turning point for them. But mm. as I said, they have been pretty pretty shit, really. You know, for, mm. the, for yeah, yeah, for quite a some time. Uh, I mean, we beat them. You know, I mean, uh, is that is uh, that just going to be the uh, bar that we set everything <laughs> for now? If, if we beat them, then they're obviously crap. <laughs> instantly um, relegated. Lose out of Sunderland, instantly relegated. We need to win three games. That's it. <laughs> just one more. One uh, yeah, so we've got Bournemouth. All right, so not necessarily going to go down. Going to stay. What about Watford? Kev, what do you make of Watford? Um, another weird team on the. I probably couldn't even tell you half the players I play for them. I watch them sometimes and I'm like, who's he? Like, no idea. <laughs> Some random Spanish or French yeah. player. Like, who are these guys? They don't seem to struggle, do they? Which is the most important thing. Um, I don't know how well Kaboom's actually played for them, but the, the hole he left when he, when he left us, uh, it was major. And I kind of wonder, you know, how much of an impact he's had. If he, if he's been anywhere near as good as he was for us. Then I can kind of see why they haven't struggled because he's he's a class defender really. Um, but again, we we have those to play as well. Um, they face Leicester towards the end of the season, which I think could be the probably the biggest game for Leicester because I, I do predict that they'll pick up a couple of wins before then. But by the time they play Watford, they're, they're probably really going to need a win to, to either survive or you know de- decide whether they're going to go down the last couple of games because. Manchester City and, and Bournemouth are the games after that. So I, I think Watford will be fine. I think Watford will hang in the middle of the table and just, you know, crack on. The, the kind of the kind of this year's Stoke, you know, Stoke just hang around the middle. That's that's what Watford are to me. I so who's Stoke? Really <laughs> I don't really care about them. They're just a weird, obscure team that kind of just trundle along. Actually, I'm jealous of them. <laughs> I was going to say, sour grapes. They're just, they're just a... They're, they're so boring. There, they? And they stole Kabul from us, the bastards. They've got, they've got, a, they're going to have a major say in the relegation fight. Um, not them involved specifically, but they've got to play. Well, they've got Palace on Saturday. Then in April, they've got Swansea and Hull back to back. They've got to play us. They've got to play Leicester. So if they smash all of us, then they're going to have a major say in it. But the, the problem with Watford, yeah, they are middling, but if they take their eye off the ball and think, well, we're just, we can just coast it now. It's not beyond the realms of possibilities that they could get fall down. So they no. could lose, lose to a couple. Just hypothetically, if they lose yeah. to a couple of us down there, they could be they could be down there as well. I don't think they'll. I don't think they're in any danger at all. I think it's just the bottom six, the current bottom six. But you never know. Well, they've only they've won two of their last ten, um, yeah. and they lost a couple before that. And 
I don't know. I just they've got they've got some. Well, I thought they were match winners. You know, like Igala was so good last year, wasn't he? And he's completely dropped off a cliff. And you know, Troy Deeney's a decent enough player. Um, they've probably got enough to stay up. I mean, they've got thirty-one points at the moment. Um, do really a win and a couple of draws, and they're probably going to be yeah. all right. I'd say thirty-six, thirty-seven, and you're going to be in and around safety. Um, this year, I don't think you're going to any you're going to need any more than thirty-seven. If I'm honest, I think the standard in the Premier League. It's one thing we've not covered yet. But, I mean, I think the, the standard from say twelfth downwards is is just crap in the Premier League. It's it's the best league in the world in terms of entertainment value, but the quality of football, the team down the bottom, you're not exactly watching exhilarating stuff. I uh, take the t- I, you can, to be honest, you could take almost take the top eight teams out of the Premier League. The rest of them, any of them. Could Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mathematically certain. Um, well, yeah, yeah, just about. But, um, no, I mean, for me, uh, I'm not really. I mean, we will move on to Burnley now, I suppose. But on that note, what you're saying about the the quality in the Premier League, I, I completely agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And it is going to be. It does have that reek of a, a low scoring season, doesn't it? I mean, but that's great news for us as it happens. You know, I mean, we can't really look a gift horse in the mouth there. Because what we want is for everybody to lose and for us to win, and that would be fantastic. That's all we need. Um, going on to Burnley. We will put Burnley in there. We've got Burnley. We're going on to Burnley. Oh, I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, technically speaking, they're at the same level. Do you know what I mean? Same level as Watford, 31 points. Um, whether or not they're going to get dragged into this or not, I, I'm, I'm not convinced they are. No chance. No, no chance. chance. Go on then, Tom. Not a, win in, not a win in five, though, Tom. You know, they've lost their last couple. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. I don't think they'll go down. I don't think home form will keep. Mm. I just honestly, I think for what, well, you know, it's not as if they haven't spent money, to be honest, actually. They've spent a fair amount. And if you look at the, the fixtures you're talking about, uh, you've got to include in there the fact that they played against Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, I think the what their Achilles heel is whenever they go away from home, they struggle to do well. Um, and I mean, guess who they've got away next though, Tom? I know. Do you remember? Know. Do you remember a couple of years ago when QPR went all season and didn't win the away game, and then <laughs> they come to the stadium a lightning bolt class. <laughs> you know what? And they were Gav's, decent Gav's against totally Liverpool. That's right. totally right. And the way you know it's Sean Dyche has just built something good there, especially at, at their, their home ground. And just, they don't play anything fancy. They play exactly how Sunderland should be playing. They try to move the ball from the back, uh, from, from the defence into attacking positions as quickly as they can. That's not long ball. That's called direct attacking football. And when they're at home, they're not worried. Uh, sorry, they're not afraid to do that. When they're away, it's a different matter. I don't know if they're overcomplicated. I don't know if that just kind of says, go out and play. And he's just putting all of his time and effort into those home games. But you're right, it's against yeah. us next week, so it's going to be interesting to see will they turn up and give us a good spanking, or, much like the the theme of this season, will they be able to, uh, sorry, will they be unable to actually get some points on the road? Well, the thing you look at Burnley's squad, and it's all, it's square pegs and square holes, isn't it? You look at every right. single player, it fits in that, they fit in that position, and when Sean Dice changes it, he doesn't like we do, shoehorn a right back in centre midfield or shoehorn a striker on the wing. He's he just picks the player from that position, and puts him in. And regardless of if he's the best footballer in the world, they all know their job. They all fit that position. They all know the system, and that's why they'll be safe. Spend well as well, haven't they? When you uh-huh. look at the players that they've bought, I mean, 
I think most Sunderland fans would have turned up their nose at Joey Barton when he became available from Rangers. But, you know, I'm not saying he would have come here and been anything special. I think that's kind of the point with Burnley. You look at every, pretty much every player, bar one or two of the more quality players, you look at them and you think, if there were Sunderland players, they would, would, would be down the bottom of the table. I think they've bought the right characters for that team. They, they kind of they came up with a, with a good work ethic and a good you know ethos and, and all the rest of it you know, played played the right way, really. Um, and then they've brought in Barton again, who was successful there last season. And they've brought in players like Jeff Hendricks, who, you know, is another one who most people weren't sure about. And then he came to the Premier League and looked every bit of Premier League midfielder. So I, I'm, I'm a big admirer of them. I agree with what you said before. That's how Sunderland should be. If, if Sunderland go down, we'll get on to whether we all think that or not. But if we do go down next I want us to look like that. I want us to play like that. I mean, I don't necessarily think we should be scouring for for you know, the cheapest of cheap players like Daish had to do when he first went there. But I think that the, just the way the set up and the play and the mentality of the players that he's got and how how they approach games and, and how you know, how they approach home games more than anything. I mean, it's like Forest Turf Moor, isn't it? Nobody can go there. It's just it's unbelievable how well they've done at home this season and. For me, if we if we do go down that, I want us to emulate that more than anything because I really do admire the way they've just approached everything. Small club coming into the Premier League, we're not going to change the way we play. We're gonna we're gonna really you know impart ourselves that way. And for me, if they stay up, that that has to be Daesh manager the season because the, you know there can't be any other manager in that league who would have got that out of that group. That's fair enough to say. I mean, we've touched on it already, but um, I suppose this is where it leads us to. So all of that said, all of this wondrous praise for Burnley coming out of all of our mouths. Tom, what do you think is going to happen next Saturday? We're doomed. <laughs> We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> We're doomed. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a typical Sunderland. We're going to get a one-all draw. We'll walk away thinking, oh, well, you know, Burnley are doing well this season and, and really gain nothing from it. Unless unless we turn around and give a fantastic showing of ourselves, play it to our strengths, defensively we look organised. Unless we do that and come away with a win, I think we just have to be properly disappointed and start to open our eyes and think it's gone tits up this this year. This, mm. this year has been a culmination of just horrific mismanagement on all levels. And nobody's nobody's innocent is the frustrating thing. And the fans can't point the finger at anyone and say it's his fault. It, it's partially Moyes' fault. But then at the same time, thanks to Sam Allardyce, he had less time to prepare. And thanks to Ella Short, we've had sort of limited budgets for the last couple of years. And there's just so many things you can point at and say, that's, a, that's shite, and that's part of the reason why we're shite, means that unless something miraculous happens, and we, like I say, turn on the magic and somehow thrash Burnley, we're in a very, very horrific situation. I talked earlier on about Hull and the fact that if Hull go down, it could be goodbye. The same could be said for us. And it's just a frightening position to be in as a fan. I remember going down, you know, back back in the early 2000s and thinking, no, but we'll be fine because we'll come back in the next few years. I look at our squad and we, on paper, we have a better squad than Burnley. And um, I'd be willing to bet we pay a lot more money to the players who we have in comparison to Burnley. Mm. And yet, Burnley, the whole structure of the club is fantastic. They they haven't overspent. They've been incredibly intelligent. The the two chairmen over there have been absolutely fantastic in the way they've run the club. 
And financially, it, there's, there was a report out recently, they have like one of the highest growth, um, uh, sorry, one of the highest turnover growth percentages in Europe. So just looking at our club in comparison to someone like Burnley who don't have the stadium and don't have the Jermaine Defoe or Adnan Yanazai's, but yet they have the likes of, of Jeff Hendrick and Sam Volks week in, week out producing the goods. I just, I just want to bang my head against the wall and think, what's the fucking point like? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd love to know what the other lads think. But for me, this season, and you can see how divided the fans are at each other's throats. It's not Moise's fault, it's Short's fault. It's not Short's fault, it's Moise's fault. It's Big Sam's fault, it's the FA's fault. We kind of come to an agreement between us what has gone wrong. And because we can't do that, the, the club want this strength through unity. Piss off, will you? How can you have that when there's so many things going wrong? Just what? Just blindly follow the club and think, ah, it'll be all right because, like David Moy said, we'll get some luck somewhere. Nowhere. This we've is it. This, we've been in this position for years, and for the club to do so little about it, for me, is a pure disgrace, in all honesty. Absolute disgrace. And yes, they've kept the season tickets at the same price. Fantastic. But ultimately, we're in a less economically developed area in the UK. Like, you put them up any higher, you're not going to get in attendance. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> for me, it's just the, the last few years have been a culmination of absolute garbage. And in my opinion, I'll leave it at this, I think we're down. I, I don't think there's going to be another miracle. And I think we'll go down and we need to do some serious soul searching this summer. Otherwise, we're, gonna, we're just going to sort of slowly trickle into the low leagues of English Damning, very damning, but I'd agree with most of what you say, actually. In particular, I mean, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think we're, we're knackered. I think this is finally it for us in that well, in recent years. I, I think that particularly what you're saying about how the fan base is divided, obviously we we talk about this quite often. Uh, something that, yeah, comes up sometimes at, at the Roker Report. Um, for me, what I, what I can gather is that people want sycophants, do you know what I mean? A lot of the fans want sycophants. They want people to tell them to to ignore the facts, to ignore the miserable reality of what is happening and what has been happening for a long time at this club, regardless of whose fault it is. Do you know what I mean? It, it's still happening. We're still getting worse and worse. Bad decisions are being made constantly. Uh, there are again, there are like square pegs going in round holes, or rather not. Do you know, and that has been happening time and time again. Financially, we've been hemorrhaging money from all accounts. Uh, I dread to think what it must act- the actual final reality of our financial situation is like everything that they can't hide everything that they can't tuck away and they don't have to release as public information I, I think that that figure would probably shock us and it would shock a lot of football fans as well do you know what I mean I think it would it's certainly on par with like the higher earning clubs and the higher spending oh, clubs do you know, without a doubt unaccountably so we shouldn't be anywhere near them because we don't have anything near the results to to prove that we need to be spending that money or that we can justify spending that money. And it's it's so funny Jermaine Jenis gives his gives his two cents on the whole matter and you know that tweet when he's like uh, we said that we had the sixth highest gate in the league and he's like oh but you you don't have that after 60 minutes when you go 2-0 down do you? He's a fucking plum isn't he? Absolute so, uh, moron like if anybody man. in the mainstream media actually looked at what's gone on at our club they'd be absolutely horrified at the levels of mismanagement. Margaret yeah. Byrne is CEO. You know, um, Gary Hutchison, for all, like, he's worked his way up, he's a local lad, all that wonderful stuff. End of the day, he didn't deliver any commercial growth, and that was his job. 
So why is he in that position? Uh, Jed McNamee, for example, he leaves this year, and then people start to question his role. What's he been doing the last few years? You know, there's just so many questions and so many fingers that can be blamed here, there, and everywhere. And for some reason, it's only us talking about it. Jermaine Jennings oh, yeah. isn't isn't acknowledging that Ella Short has pumped money into the club by all means. However, he hasn't written that debt off as people. He's converted to equity. He can still take that money back. And will so take that be, money back. It's going to be difficult for him. Don't get me wrong. He can't just demand it back. However, theoretically, he can reclaim that money. So he hasn't done us really any favours off the bat. Yes, he, he's eased the burden of debt somewhat. But ultimately, we owe half the money to win. So yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the point in it? You know, and it's just, it's such a piss take when people like Jenis jump in and give the two cents. And we see fans saying, ah, oh, Sunderland being shite, I can't wait for them to go down. Bottom feeders being hanging in by their, by their fingernails the last few years. Aye, but just look at the way the club's being run. And look at the fans who've given so much time, effort, blood, sweat, tears and money, hard-earned money to this club. And we've been let down. There's no other way to put it. That well, this is it. And that's that sad reality is what a lot of the fans don't want. And you can understand it from a human perspective because you don't want to be told bad news. No one loves to hear bad news every day. Do you know what I mean? Particularly when the passion in the North East, the passion in Sunderland for the club, is it's immense. It's, it's fantastic. It's laudable without doubt. It is an amazing passion that you rarely see. And as you say, in mainstream media, that rarely gets touched upon do you know what I mean it it only comes from the from the sports personalities that have played for us do you know, really that's the, that's the sort of people who do it and that's I mean you get the basic thing from the player when he signs on oh yeah it's a fantastic club fantastic facilities but when they've been at the club for a few years and they leave and then they turn around and say you know what that is one of the greatest atmospheres ever that is one of the best fan bases I mean obviously you're talking about people waxing lyrical like uh, Niall Quinn like Peter Reid you know what I mean things like that well obviously they're going to say that but they're, they're not just heroes the fan base they're heroes to these players they make it worth their while they make them remember this for the rest of their lives you know what I mean and that that is the shocking thing we don't get anywhere near enough credit. The people who, as you say, spend that hard on money, which isn't bloody easy to earn right now, do you know what I mean? Compared to where all these other teams are, you know, especially London-based clubs, I hate that in particular. People like Jermaine Jennings, do you know what I mean, who reside in London, turn around and saying that, oh, they're walking away, oh, they're, they're useless, they're crap fans. Well, what the fuck would he know about it? What would he know about it? No one in London could even comprehend the sort of lifestyle that some of these people have had to go through, yeah. the sort of... Uh, what it really means to truly eat, breathe, sleep, drink football. Do you know what I mean? When there's a lot of other shit going on that has been for decades, it, it goes far deeper than sport. And yeah, that's, that's shocking. It is, because you, you look at the, the mainstream media and it's not just Genesis, it's, it's the likes of, I've mentioned him before, it's Chris Sutton's just as bad. You've got many of these ads. And you look at this, in inverted commas, crisis Arsenal are going through and the amount of press and the amount of sympathy they seem to be getting our poor Arsenal fans you know they've had to, they've had to go 10 years without a, trophy, a league trophy just like just fuck off like why why are their fans they're allowed to they're allowed to have banners and feel, but but our fans leave after seeing dross served up week after week after week and yet you know they're called worse than shite it's, it's, ba- it's absolutely not on bang on Jim you know because in the same day that Jenis put that tweet out <clears throat> he was on BBC Sport talking about how Arsenal fans had the right to um, show their displeasure at Wenger. And it, th- this was all in the same day. He, he was saying this about Arsenal fans the same day that he, that he was slating Sunderland fans on Twitter. 
for leaving games early. And I just kind of think, like, you're a nobody, mate. You're a total nobody. Your opinion should mean shit all. But it does because you're on BBC TV and you're on the radio and this, that and the other. And he's just one of many, and he? He's just Mr. Soundbite, Sutton's another. Um, you know, Mickey Gray's another. Mickey Quinn's another. They're on the national radio. And on these pundits who've played... Yeah, you've played the game, but you know absolutely frig all about what it's like to be a Sunderland fan. And for me, we aren't given enough of that in the in the press. And the, our local press pretend everything's all right, which doesn't help things at all. Because you know, we it was spelled out on. I'm going to mention it, but I was listening to the Wise Men Say a podcast last week, and I like Nick Barnes, but he he mentioned that the reason that. Um, the reason that the right questions aren't asked to David Moyes, this is just one example, but the reason that the right questions aren't asked to David Moyes about real issues is because they're scared of, you know, losing the, the relationship with them, they're scared of losing the off-the-record stuff that they're told. And I, I kind of just I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I thought, well, that's where we are, aren't we? That's, that's where we are at, and that's why, that's why we have an unfair representative. I know we're going a bit off tangent, was ultimately about, the relegation running and what have you, but it's it's all part of a, a bigger picture, isn't it? It, it? It's like we 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 are bottom of the Premier League. We've won five games all. We've got a minus twenty six goal difference, nineteen points collected. Um, we started the first six first ten games of the season without a win. Um, we were told from game day number two that we're in. A, you know, so we have the right to sit to to get off our horses and leave a stadium, and I and I, I don't blame anybody. Who does that? I didn't do it. I stayed right at the end last week, but I'm not going to blame someone for doing it because it shows that there's more than just bad results at play here. People are totally, totally disillusioned. And, you know, the, the more that people like us, I guess, or any fan can get out there and say something about what's going on and express their opinion on how bad things are at this club, then the more people should take notice because people like Jenis are giving the wrong message out, pretty much. He, he's got a big Twitter audience who... Oh look what you mean, James is pub out son, ha ha ha, retweet that, you know what I mean? Totally ignoring what's actually mm. we're, we're, come on man. We we all know it. It seems like we're the only fans who are talking about it, Sunderland fans. Everybody else is just like, Oh well there's Sunderland going down the pan, they deserve it. Well this it is it. Pisses me off. And being touching on that again, I mean we've we've all spoken about it now, but that attitude of requiring uh, a sycophantic outlook, that attitude of being told that everything's okay when it isn't. You know, that's that's what really gets me the most. That is the sort of bury your head in the sand, cowardly, weak reaction to something awful. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's not happening. Stick your fingers in your ears. La 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 la. la. It's it's still happening, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. We don't want to talk about it all the time. You don't want to hear that your your mum's dead. Do you know what I mean? Every day we'll keep bringing bringing it up with you. Do you know what I mean? Or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, your fucking dog's died. Do you know what I mean? We'll keep bringing that up. That that's fair enough. No one wants to hear bad news all the time. But when it comes to actually finishing the argument about whether or not we're going down or settling the argument, settling where we stand, as Tom said earlier, being divided and getting rid of that division and just saying, right, look, I mean, for me personally now, I said it recently, like I'm, I've lost my, my hope. And a few of the people, a few lads said that, you know what I mean? The hope that kills you. They've lost that. They've lost even the hope that kills you. And it's just like, that's how I feel about it now. I have no illusions or disillusions rather, delusions about, Sunderland staying in the Premier League. I mean, yeah, it, it, for me, this would be the miracle. For me, the last few seasons, the miraculous great escape, they weren't really that miraculously 
done. I mean, yeah, it seemed like they were going to be because we'd had a shit season again and we'd we'd spent poorly and things like that. We had some bad injuries, but that was that was completely different to what this has been all season. This has been from start to finish. Look, we're not we can't do this anymore. Do you know what I mean? This has all come to a head. This is the culmination, as Tom said earlier, this is the culmination of years of mismanagement at every level and, and poor decisions. And it really bothers me that fans can't sit there and, and go, yeah, you're right. You know, and just admit that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love, I would absolutely love for us to win every game now. Stay up. Do you know what I mean? That, that's fine. Do whatever you want to me. Call me every name under the sun. That'd be brilliant. But now I'm, I'm not upset about the idea of it happening anymore. I'm sort of, in a way, I'm sort of looking, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to the championship, right? Cause that, that doesn't ring true. I don't think anyone looks forward to relegation or the mockery or anything like that that comes with it, the, the inherent humiliation and, and, and just again, the, the grim reality of that. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to whinge about it anymore. And I think it's, it's like what we're saying. We're, we're the ones who are talking about it. And when you talk about it, it's like, it's like grief counseling, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's acceptance. We, we've reached the final stage of grief counsel, of, of going through the grieving process, or I have certainly. I've reached acceptance. Like, I'm okay with this. If we go down, I'm okay with this. If, if it has to happen, it has to happen. I hope we do well. It's not going to stop us. Have we, people have written about it already. It's not going to stop us from loving the club. It's not going to stop us from writing about it. It's not going to stop us from talking about it or supporting it. But at the same time, it is a shame for me. It's a big shame to have someone come down after this because it's been fight after fight after fight, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like one last throw of the dice, one last throw of the dice, one last throw of the dice every fucking season. Maybe this time we'll get it right. Maybe this time we'll, we'll, we'll reach that, that hallowed ground of mid-table mediocrity. Do you know what I mean? Where we, we win half, we lose half. It doesn't really matter. We draw some. It's all good. Uh, and that's a shame for me because it feels like this fight has been going, well, it feels like it's been going for 10 rounds. Do you know what I mean? And just, it feels like we're getting beaten at the death. Uh, it, it, it feels like that. It feels like, you, you know what I mean? You've been holding off a, a, a brilliant team, like all 95 minutes, you know, and they bang one in the 96th minute. That's what this will feel like to me if we get relegated. Which I think we will, by the way. That's my prediction. I think we're getting relegated. I don't think we're going to make it out. What about you, James? Well, I've, I've done, the, done the predictor. I've done it a couple of times. I mean, I've got, I've got Borough going down bottom on 27. Um, I've then got Hull 19th on 35. I've got us in 18th on 36. And Palace just staying up on the Skinner's seat on goal difference on 36. But interesting, I had them on the final day of the season. I had both us and Palace on 36 points. And uh, they're away at United, I think. And we're obviously away at Chelsea. So. If if my results were to go and we managed to get a point on the last day against Chelsea, we'd stay up. But I've got us going down on goal difference, and and I was being fairly optimistic with some of these some of the um, wins as well. <laughs> being generous, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. What about you, Tom? Predictions? I don't think the bottom three will change at all. Um, it'll stay as it is. I think we'll be bottom. I just I, I, I see effort. I just don't see fight. There's there's different. Mm. There's a difference there, and I don't yeah. see fight from the players. I see them running around and I, I appreciate the are, but I just don't see the, the fight. I think Palace will stay up by the skin of the teeth. They've got a lot of quality in that squad still. Um, but I, I just, I don't see a way out for us, Borough or Hull. I really don't. Un- unless Borough start finding goals somewhere. Because they have it, like, like we already mentioned in the show, you know, defensively that they're, they're pretty decent, to be honest. So I just, 
I, I don't see it changing too much. Maybe Burrow overtake Hull, but uh, it'll it would take it would really would take a, uh, I don't want to say a, a miracle because we use this word all the time, but it, the 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 whole season would need need to take a three sixty turn now for us to escape the the clutches of of doom. Unfortunately, fair enough. What about you, Gav? Predictions, buddy? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with us finishing bottom. I think. I hate to say it, like, and I've been proven wrong from this position a number of times by Sun, and I just agree with Tom. The big difference between effort and, and fight, and, and fight is what we are lacking. I mean, again, it, I've been made a look fool in recent years when, when I've wrote us off and we've stayed up. I think that players like Kirchhoff, Catamol, and, and Nietzsche could make a huge difference to the, the results that we get. But ultimately, we've probably got to win over half of our games that we have left. Eight of the 11 that we do have left or against teams in the bottom half of the league, which is a huge positive when you compare it to the teams that Palace have to play, for instance. Um, but ultimately, again, we, it's all right saying, oh, well, we've got all these teams to play, you've got to win some of them. And we, it's, it's going to, again, it's going to take a huge effort, so I've got us down as bottom. Um, I do think Middlesbrough will go down because they don't score enough goals. The the, the manager just seems to be a bit like Moyes, doesn't he? Just, resign to what's going on um, and then third bottom I'm going with Palace I think the running's difficult I don't think that the players that have got um, are going to get you know I don't think Aldice will get the reaction from them that he needs and I think Hull Hull and the new manager and the players that they have brought in have created a massive spark and I think I do think that they'll they'll scrape up I think I think they're going to get enough wins they look, they're capable of winning games which I don't think any of the other three teams I've mentioned Palace uh, but at some, I don't think we are, we any of those teams look capable of putting a string of results together. Where Hull, you know, they just seem to be a bit of a dark horse. They've got, you know, a new manager who seems to know what he's doing. So, yeah, that's my bottom three, and I, th- I think probably curtains for us in the Premier League again. But I don't like it to be negative, but that's just the way it is. We've seen nothing this season really to suggest that we would be capable of going on a run of five or six wins out of eleven. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I think that. I think that Hull, I'd agree with you in that sense. I think Hull are going to pull it off somehow. I think they're going to get a couple of good wins out. Uh, I think they'll do well uh, for the remainder of the season, or at least uh, comparatively well uh, with what they've got to deal with. I can, but I can see us finishing above Middlesbrough, and I can see Palace getting dragged in. Yeah, so I can see us Middlesbrough and Palace with Middlesbrough at the bottom, and Palace on 18th, and us sandwiched nicely on 19th that's 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 pretty much all I can see because I don't see as I've said before I don't see any way out for Palace and for me it's Moyes for us I mean we've spoken about a lot of things and there are a lot of places and things you can blame but for me when I look at Moyes I don't see that happening I don't see that run I don't see that energy I don't see a connection there or anything like that it's like Tom said earlier though I see them running around I also appreciate that but I can't see any fight they've got no heart to them I think it takes a leader to give you heart and I don't think we have that um, Tom as well he's, he's at nip off but uh, he left his predictions for us uh, sorry Walsh anyway did uh, and he's got basically he's got us to finish on 33 points um, I think it's going to be Watford West Ham Bournemouth and Swansea and with Borough and Burnley so that'd be nice where that leaves us I don't know 33 points will probably still leave us relegated yeah I'll probably yeah I'll presume down especially when you look at well you look at the rest of the table already uh, Burnley and for instance are on 31 Watford are on 31 Bournemouth are on 30 so you're talking about like those teams needing less than a win now to stay safe Mm. Um, 
if that would be, and I think 33 is probably not going to be enough. I think when if you kind of disregard Sunderland in that table, just forget that we're even there, which would be great, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. Just kind of forget we're, we're even there, and you look at the rest of the teams down there. Um, pretty much everybody needs around five wins, so we are going to have to top that if we're going to even you know scrape into 17. And and I can't see it's that. Just, yeah, it's too much. It's too much. I don't think. I don't think we've got enough quality to it. It's too much. Well, yeah, that's about it. Sorry to leave you on another depressing note, but that's what reality does to you. Sorry about that. Not our fault, really. Just, just say it. Hashtag just say it from the Rocket Report. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining me tonight, lads, and uh, thank you to the audience for listening. Um, we'll be back with another episode, usual time next week. Hopefully, it'll be fantastic news, and we'll have turned over Burnley. I won't hold my breath for that, but yeah, we can have a little bit of hope still. We'll have something to keep us going, have some nice sweet dreams instead of nightmares for the rest of the week. So yeah, this is the Royal Report signing off. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on the Acast app. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.